Some stories are too tragic to be told, and yet the lessons we would learn from them are too tragic not to be told. There once was a young man who was serving as a youth pastor in a local church. He fell into sin. It began in a moment. Satan knew exactly how to tempt him. He provided an opportunity for his eyes and mind to wander, and the young man took the bait. His eyes lingered just a little too long on somebody who was not his wife, and before long that long look turned into lust. Lust turned into fantasy, and the young man eventually began to actively seek out this particular sin until it became a habit, became a regular part of his life. Ultimately, months after this first moment of temptation, sin overtook his life. His entire schedule revolved around sin. Eventually, his family and his pastor discovered his sin, and his world came crashing down, proving that age-old principle we read in Numbers 32, be sure your sin will find you out. Unfortunately, similar things happen to different people in different contexts in different times. It's happened to brand new disciples in Jesus Christ, and it's happened to seasoned ministers who have been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this particular tragic story, it did not have to end this way for this young guy. At any moment, he could have repented, he could have confessed his sin. He had a choice whether to continue or to repent. Unfortunately, he fooled himself into believing he could hide his sin, but he was wrong because God refuses to coexist alongside sin. Another true story demonstrates a different response to temptation and sin. There's a middle-aged minister whom Jesus had delivered from a lifestyle of drugs and cigarettes and alcohol. And one particular day, it was particularly stressful at his secular job. He walked into a gas station restroom on his way home from work. And sitting there on the sink was an open bottle of alcohol and a lit cigarette. As in the story we just heard, the man's eyes lingered a little too long, and he surrendered to the temptation. He picked up the container, he drank, he picked up the cigarette, he smoked. But this man's story has a different ending. On his way home, he felt conviction. And that very evening, he confessed to his wife and his pastor, he repented he allowed these accountability partners in his life to strengthen him and prevent him from having such a lapse over and over and over again. He was restored. He never fell back into that lifestyle again. This man's story demonstrates another powerful scriptural truth. We read in 1 John chapter 1, If we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Perhaps one of the most public and one of the most tragic stories we read about sin is found in Psalm 51 and King David. And we're going to hear all about that story right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. So glad you joined me here on this podcast. It's Thanksgiving week, at least here in these United States. For all of our friends in Canada, that was last month. But for us here in the United States, it's this month. And so we give thanks to God for all the blessings He's given us, namely, for his mercy. And we're going to hear all about the mercy of God in today's 
episode and this story from the 51st Psalm. So if you have your companion guide with you, please turn in your companion guide to the lesson dated November 21st, 2021. It is entitled A Clean Heart. If you don't have your companion guide with you, please turn with me in the scriptures to the 51st Psalm. And we're going to read verses 1 through 3, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 3. David the psalmist, David the king, prayed this, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. It would be so much better if we didn't have to say the word sin, but we do. Because the Bible makes it clear that sin is pervasive in our world. It's everywhere. Ever since Adam and Eve went out to eat at the forbidden fruit stand, every human has been born with a natural propensity to sin. You can easily prove this by just asking parents, which one is harder? Is it harder to teach your kids to do bad or to do good? And most parents will testify doing bad. That just comes naturally. But children must be taught to do good. Just in case anybody would try to pretend exemption from this natural inclination to sin, the writer of Scripture repels that notion. Paul famously wrote in Romans chapter 3, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Another New Testament writer rebuked those who claimed perfection, saying, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar and his word is not in us. The truth can easily be seen by observing some of the spiritual giants in Scripture. Think about Moses, Abraham, David, Paul, Peter. All of them had moments when they participated in horrendous sin, even adultery. But within the tragedy of their stories of sin lies hope for us. If those individuals could confess their sin, repent, and be restored, thank God, so can we. I mean, think about it. If the people who crucified Jesus Christ himself, if he would forgive them, surely he will forgive us. One of the frustrating realities of life is all of us will be tempted. Nobody is exempt. Paul even describes temptation as common. Even Jesus Christ was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus Christ himself was tempted, and yet he did not sin. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you've sinned. But temptation could lead to sin, but it doesn't have to, because we don't have to give in to it. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Whenever we are tempted, and we will be, we should immediately turn to God to look for a way to escape, one that he will provide. So think about the last time you had been tempted to sin. What steps do you take to prevent yourself from being in those tempting situations? And when you are tempted, how do you escape? Jesus Christ gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins so that when we are tempted, we can turn to him and say, Lord, you were tempted just like we are being tempted. Please give us the power and the strength through your spirit to overcome this temptation. One of those spiritual giants was David. As we read through the Old Testament and we come to the book of 2 Samuel, and we come to the story of David and Bathsheba, 
And it's both surprising and refreshing to me that God included the story in there because David seemed to be perfect, which I will never be. And yet God showed us that David was human, which I will always be. So when I look at the story of David, I can see him as an example of what I should not do as I get to this part of the story, especially when I read the 51st Psalm and I read about his repentance and how broken he was as a result of his sin. Have you ever used Psalm 51 as a model prayer to guide you in repentance? And if so, why? But if not, why not? And what are some of the elements of this psalm you can incorporate into your life? Okay, now let's take a look at the story. While all of Israel's fighting force was out fighting the Ammonites, David remained behind in Jerusalem, his mind and his hands idle. Then one late afternoon, he was walking aimlessly on the roof of the palace. And when he looked down, he saw Bathsheba, a beautiful woman who was married to Uriah, one of his soldiers. And she was bathing on the rooftop. David could have looked away. He could have gone back inside the house. He could have looked any other direction from the rooftop. But instead, David just kept looking. That look turned into lust. That lust turned into fantasy. And David did the unthinkable. He sent messengers to Bathsheba, forced her to come to him, and then forced her into bed. David grossly abused his power as king to take something he desired, something not his to take, and hurt someone. Shortly after Bathsheba let David know she was pregnant with his baby, David had an opportunity to repent and ask for forgiveness. But sin left unchecked often compounds upon itself. Instead of coming clean, David tried to cover up his sin by bringing Uriah home from battle. He was going to have him spend a night at home. Everybody would just know. They would assume Uriah was the dad. But Uriah was more righteous than even righteous King David. He refused to relax while his fellow soldiers were at war. He refused to go home and go to his wife. And in a rage, David sinned again. He ordered Uriah back to the front lines of the battle and secretly ordered his captain to withdraw, allowing Uriah to be killed all by himself. Now, David was guilty of two unthinkable sins, adultery and murder. Like all sin, it doesn't remain hidden forever. God revealed David's sin to Nathan the prophet. Nathan confronted David and caused him to realize the seriousness, the gravity of his sin. And even then, David could have chosen to be stubborn and refuse to admit wrongdoing, deny all wrong. And if he had done so, he likely would have gone down the path of Saul, his predecessor, refusing to humble himself before God. If David had not repented, God would have rejected him as king, even as he did Saul. But fortunately, thankfully, David took the opportunity to repent and ask God for forgiveness. David came clean. He confessed his sin to the man of God. He confessed publicly in the form of a psalm. He recorded his repentance in written form. So now we have a pattern to follow whenever we sin. Whether or not our sin is as drastic and tragic and public as David's matters not. We have the opportunity to follow this pattern of repentance. The first line of David's prayer was very humble, very straightforward. He simply prayed, have mercy upon me, O God. David confessed his need for God and for God's mercy. For us to truly repent, we must confess that we need God. 
We must admit that God is the only one who can cleanse us from our sin. David did so, and plainly, he, he prayed for God to wash him thoroughly from his iniquity and cleanse him from his sin. For David prayed, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. David realized God is the only answer for my sin. He gained a bigger perspective on the nature of his sin. He prayed against thee, and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. David recognized his sin nature. For behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. However, just because he was born sinful, he was not absolved from this need to be forgiven, to be cleansed. So David continued, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. It's not sufficient to pray for forgiveness and cleansing alone. If our heart is cleansed but nothing good replaces it, we will likely fall into sin again. We read that in Matthew chapter 12. So David prayed this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David knew only God could provide him a clean heart and deal with his sinfulness and carnality that led him to commit those atrocious, unthinkable sins of adultery, of murder, of scandal, of cover-up. And then one of the most desperate and passionate passages of this entire prayer comes when David cried out, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Earlier in his life, David witnessed God's Spirit being taken away from Saul. David saw the terrible, paranoid path Saul went down, and David did not want to go down that same path. So he prayed, God, please, whatever you take, don't take your spirit. When we repent, we must not only ask for our sins to be forgiven and our hearts to be cleansed, but we must also ask God, please fill me with your spirit. Where sin used to dwell, I pray your spirit will dwell. Now think back when God filled you with his Holy Spirit. If he has already filled you with the Holy Spirit, think back when he delivered you from sin and filled you with his spirit. What were some positive things God replaced in place of your former sin? What were the things God gave you that were good and God-glorifying and God-honoring in place of the things that used to grieve and hurt God or others? Now, just because Jesus died for our sins doesn't excuse us from having to ask him for forgiveness. God is gentle. He will allow us to remain in our sin if we want to. But as soon as we repent, he will forgive us. But repentance and forgiveness is not a once-in-a-lifetime offer. We live a lifestyle of repentance. We ask for forgiveness often. Even Paul said, I die daily. David prayed this prayer when he said, Cleanse me from your, my secret faults and keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Another translation renders, Forgive my hidden faults, the stuff I don't know about. Keep your servant also from willful sin. The stuff I don't know about, God, please forgive me. And the stuff I do know about and do know well, well, please forgive me of that too. Whenever people repent, receive forgiveness, they use powerful language to describe it. It was freeing. It was liberating. It was a fresh start. It was a clean slate. It was a brand new beginning. Those words sound like somebody being released from prison because in a way they are. We are being released from the prison to sin Thank God for repentance and thank God for forgiveness. The first time you remember repenting, what words would you use to describe that experience? 
Or maybe you've been in church a long time and you sinned and you repented and sought God and God forgave you. What about your prayer of repentance may have changed from the first time to this last time you repented? First John chapter 1 gives us a beautiful promise that is associated with repentance. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Every time we confess, God is faithful. When we realize God loves us and he desires our repentance so he can restore us, we shouldn't hesitate to come to him for his mercy and grace. Some don't come to God because they fear he'll be harsh with them, but that is not the God we serve. He understands our struggles. He was human just like we are. He understands. He gave his life so we could have an opportunity to escape those struggles, to find mercy whenever we need it. In fact, he even told us to come boldly before his throne of grace to obtain mercy and help in a time of need. God not only forgives, but he also restores Think back in your life at sometimes God restored things sin has stolen from you. Maybe it was people, family. Maybe sin stole custody of your children away from you, but you repented and God helped you and forgave you and helped you to walk in a way that honors him and now you have your children again. Or perhaps sin stole away from your marriage, but through repentance and through counseling and through working together, God restored and mended your marriage. Think about the things you had lost, the people you had lost, and yet the very same ones God has restored. We're going to wrap this up. Temptation and sin are common to all. No matter what you read on Instagram and how perfect everyone's life looks, all of us are prone to sin. It is so pervasive. There are many examples of the different types of sin we deal with, but all sin has one thing in common. It can be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. God does not rank or qualify sin like we do. Somebody recently asked me the question, what's like a little sin, a bad sin, a great sin? What's kind of a misdemeanor sin? Or how do I know if I've committed a felony sin? In the eyes of God, is one worse than another? We don't find that in Scripture. We don't find there are big sins or little sins. Sin is sin. God is holy. Sin is sin. Sin separates us from Him. But no matter whether it might seem to be a misdemeanor or a felony sin to us, we can boldly bring it all to Jesus. He paid the price for all of it. Someone talking about sin have used the metaphor of archers shooting arrows at a target. You might miss the bullseye by a couple inches. You might miss it by several feet. You may miss the target altogether. Just like that, sin causes us to miss the mark on living a God-glorifying life. But no matter how great or small to us the sin may be, when we come to God, he will forgive us, he will restore us, and now we can find mercy in the time of need. I'd like you to join me in praying, and this would be a good day to pray a prayer of repentance. If it's been a while since you have repented, we're going to repent together, and we're going to ask God to forgive us for our sins, our hidden sins and our well-known sins. We're going to ask him to cleanse us, restore us, and help us to live a life that glorifies and honors him. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are so merciful. You are so forgiving. You are so good. I thank you for this psalm 
I thank you for this story to teach us the power of repentance. I do pray you would help me today if there's anything in my life that shouldn't be in my life. If there's anything I have said or done or even thought that I shouldn't, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all my secret sins and my willful sins, the things I know I did, the things I didn't know I did. Forgive me for the things I should have done and didn't do and the things I did do and shouldn't have done. Please forgive me. I ask you today, Lord, all of those listening, restore us, forgive us, cleanse us, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Replace where sin was. Replace that with your Holy Spirit, I pray. I thank you today for your mercy and your grace, God. We are grateful for your kindness and your goodness to us. We ask you today for your help all week to be thankful, especially for your mercy. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. So very thankful you joined me on this podcast. I hope it's been a blessing and help to you. Be sure to click subscribe. You'll know every time a new episode drops, give you a little hint. That's typically Monday around noon Eastern time here in these United States, other times around the world. But you will know any time an episode drops because that little subscribe button. Also, not too far from that subscribe button, there's probably a share button. And if there is, feel free to share this episode or podcast altogether with somebody you feel like would be helped by it. If it's been a blessing to you, doubtless it will be to somebody else. You can help them in their walk with God and their discipleship. So please be sure to share it. And if you enjoy this podcast, you'll enjoy the rest of the resources. To find more about them, just go to godswordforlife.faith and you'll find more resources there for God's Word for Life for all ages and helping everybody with their discipleship, no matter how young or how used to be young they might be. Next week is the final week of this fall quarter, and then we enter into the cold, wintry quarter of 2021. And next week, we're going to look at one more landmark milestone tourist attraction psalm. It is the last psalm of the book of Psalms. It is the 150th psalm. It will be dated November 28th, 2021, and entitled Created to Worship. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.